Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Kitchen Club with me, Serena Louth, and my wonderful friend, Sarah Malcolm. Kitchen Club is the weekly podcast that brings you conversations from our kitchen table. Each week brings a new guest, a new area of expertise to get stuck into, and a new recipe created with our guests' three favorite ingredients that are in their kitchen right now. We also ask our guests to share their healthy habit, which is something that they do daily or whenever they need a little boost to enhance their physical and mental well-being. We then test it out and dive a little deeper into it. This week, we're speaking to the very joyful Laura Brand, illustrator, author of The Joy Journal and Loving Mum of Two. She uses her Instagram, The Joy Journal, to share engaging yet easy activities to do with children for creative everyday play, encouraging a connection to nature and an injection of fun and crafts into our lives. This is a really warming chat with Laura, speaking about the importance of being creative with children, but also with ourselves, which is just as vital in our somewhat serious lives. Laura's three favorite ingredients are San Mazzano tomatoes, which is very particular, Laura, soy sauce and butter beans. So keep listening to hear what recipe Serena rustled up this week. Here's the oh so joyful and brilliant Laura Brand on Kitchen Club. Welcome, Laura. Welcome to Kitchen Club. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, it's such a joy to have you on. Um, joy being being the word of of this podcast. I've been I've been so looking forward to speaking with you. I know we both have because I've just heard such utterly wonderful things about you. And I sent Serena your book, so we've both been enjoying your book. Oh my god, that's so it's lovely. Beautiful. It's so Thank fab. You. Thank but before you. we before we dive into talking about all things lovely and creative, let's first just discuss or say hello to your three favorite ingredients. Can you remember yeah. what you what you said <laughs> they were? I can remember San Mazzano tomatoes. Yes, so Soy particular. Sauce. I know because I'll tell you. Well, I'll tell you why in a minute. Butter beans. And soy sauce. Yes. yes. Yeah. 
and it is really particular. And I really, really didn't know because I've got loads of weird food sort of um, sort of food addictions almost I would say like I'm a, I'm absolutely obsessed with things that basically are fermented or vinegary or like anything really strong or spicy and I was really really thinking about it but because it was sort of like what am I at the moment what am I and I, I sometimes just have to back off the spice and fermented because it comes like I can eat a whole jar of like sauerkraut and I don't even know where it's gone or like hot sauce you know but I thought let's the, the key ingredients I always sort of have in the cupboard are those three ingredients so yeah they were my three mm, I, I'm not gonna lie I had to google San Mazzano tomatoes well I'll tell you may I just tell you why those specifically please do favorite? so there's an amazing restaurant in Los Angeles called Crossroads and it's a vegan restaurant where it doesn't taste like vegan food at all. It's really, really hearty. It's sort of quite a posh restaurant. We rarely, when we go there, we, we go to America a lot. We don't eat in ever because we've always got the kids. Do we get takeaways, like special occasion takeaways from there? And they have an amazing bolognese that's like a vegan bolognese, which I had to find out about it. So I bought the cookbook of the restaurant and the bolognese sauce, aside from the fact they sort of break up vegan sausages to make the, the meat, which is like white, but it's just incredible. It's a, spe- it's a specific type of vegan sausage you can get in America. And it's like, well, but the sauce, the base sauce, they're really specific about using San Marzano tomatoes. So I was like, ever since I used them in this sauce, I now always use them in tomato-based oh. like pasta sauces and things like this. And it was like, uh, it's changed. I, I have this pasta sauce now. It's like the standard for my children, for us, for everything. So that's why I now buy them. And I, I think they're delicious with salt. They're delicious in salads. And they're so good for sauces. Yum. I'm going to keep my eye out for them even more now then. Yes. Yeah, because I think I recognize the name from Italian restaurant menus. Yeah. You that they always it. specify. It, exactly, they do. But I think because it's such a good... I think it's like the project, um, I suppose you can sometimes notice them if also you get them in tin, you know, tins, mm-hmm. San Marzano tomatoes and things and the farmer's markets and things mm-hmm. like that. But yeah, certainly like the supermarkets do do them and they just taste that, just that little bit more. There's something about them. They're quite a hot, they're a holiday tomato. <laughs> well, what a treat. <laughs> Serena, what recipe have you created for Laura? So I couldn't actually guess any San Marzano tomatoes, I'm afraid. So I just had to use good old, good old normal ones. Um, (laughs) But I made a butter bean and spinach mash with roasted red peppers and tomatoes roasted in soy sauce and basil. And so normally we would cook it for you. Oh, well, maybe another time you can, because that sounds amazing. Like I literally, the soy sauce ingredient is because I cook, I roast everything in soy sauce yum delicious are you vegan laura i'm not i'm uh i would say i'm mostly vegetarian i I eat fish and seafood so i'm not a vegetarian um but i don't eat meat and um i'm in a vegetarian vegan household my children are vegetarian and my husband's a vegan so mostly i'm cooking vegan or vegetarian food um so soy sauce is the ingredient i think and i don't know if you feel the same that um 
brings things to life, like in a kind of really juicy way where, you know, if you put it with mushrooms, the mushrooms taste like next level. It's, it's sort of like, so I don't just specifically use it as a source for dishes, like Asian dishes or whatever. It's really, I use it for everything. Yeah. Like salad dressings, but like if I'm doing grilled foods, you know, like things like that, it tastes Yum. amazing to marinate things. And yeah. I'm the same. Soy sauce on everything. So we'd get on well. Oh, good. And also I like the idea of the butter bean mash. That is literally heaven because sometimes like potato mash is, you know, sometimes it's just too heavy and it's too like, you know, it's a little bit boring or, or I have it, or we have it a lot. And so with the butter beans, I'm actually inspired and I hope you'll remind me of this recipe by the end. So I guess yes. make- <laughs> we'll send it to you. We're going to send it. Yay. So let's talk a little bit about the word joy. Um, it's obviously a word that really resonates with you. Why and when did you begin to feel so attached to the word joy and how important do you think it is for us all to have lots of joy in our lives? Well, I'll just give you a very quick sort of how the joy journal, for example, came about was that I was sort of in my pregnancy with my first daughter, I had really, really awful hyperemesis. So the sickness where it lasts like nine months. And I was struggling with joy. I was struggling with everything pregnancy, which is amazing. I went on to actually have two incredible births. And I've actually also trained as a hypnobirthing teacher because I truly believe the power of hypnobirthing. And um, so, but the pregnancies for both my children have been really hard. And so when I was pregnant with my daughter, Mabel, so she's three and a half years old, I really needed something other than focusing on, I needed a distraction. I needed something to take my mind off the sort of, or the feeling of like dread of even getting out of bed because you really can't. You feel like if I get out of bed, I'm going to be sick. If I do this, I'm going to be sick. And I, uh, by some, I don't really know what, oh, my friend's birthday was coming up. This is towards the end of the pregnancy. And I thought maybe I'll try and make something. Like I've always liked kind of art and creativity. And I, um, dyed I made like customized her a pair of like painters overalls and then stitched her name in and gave her paintbrushes in the pocket they were painters overalls with pockets and I ended up doing these dungarees and she loved them and someone else saw them and they loved them and I ended up having a business out of like literally at the towards the end of my pregnancy it was like wow I, I can't believe that actually having a kind of creative focus really helped me with the sickness because it gave me something to get up for because I, I really struggled I did it did get a little out of hand and I couldn't kind of keep up with the orders because I was doing it all in the kitchen and I was sort of dyeing things in the washing machine stitching things it was like it was a bit mad but I really really enjoyed it and when I was sort of talking about shall I start a dungarees business my husband and I were really sort of talking about it and he was like well what yeah what does it make you what does it make you feel like you know the, the like when you're doing this sort of creative stuff, I suppose it makes me feel so joyful, I suppose. And so I just called them a joy journal project and I journaled it on Instagram, like doing it and sort of selling them on Instagram or on a little shop I had built on a website. And so it came about of like finding this sort of contented feeling of like, it was, it was reconnecting with creativity, which gave me joy. And it was like a feeling of contentment and and pleasure not like excited and sort of like oh wow I've got these dungarees you know it was it was like a really really it was quite a holistic feeling mm. so I really started exploring joy and then 
I carried on making the dungarees and I absolutely loved it. And then later, my daughter was then maybe one years old and we started doing projects together and creative things together. And I returned to that place of, I want to be able to do things with her that make me feel that same feeling of contentment and bliss and joy. And it not be just me trying to throw a, throw some paints at her and make her do something which she doesn't really want to do and then make a mess and me be stressed. I didn't want it to be like that kind of cliche. And we do really make a mess. And I, the, the, the book that I've now written because of, <laughs> because of my sort of exploration of joyful, simple craft and creative play does sort of, it also suggests ways you can minimize mess, ways you can sort of process that and be okay with it. And also um, just really going back to basics. Because what I found was the most joyful things were almost traditional crafts, arts, and things like we may have heard our mums or our grandmothers talk about making Play-Doh from scratch and with just things we have at home in the kitchen or paints or bath paints. And that's basically, that is my relationship with the word joy. Now it goes into now it sort of has gone into this whole creative movement where I'm now exploring things that make me feel joyful as an adult as well Mm. as for my children. So that's sort of my relationship with joy. And it's really, really a contented feeling. It's not like a super excitable sort of feeling. It's quite, it's quite kind of calm actually. Yeah, exactly. Mm. That's my relationship with joy. It's a word that when you say it automatically, you're like, joy it's an onomatopoeia isn't it it's just such a nice word to have in your life I found actually since reading your book or sort of discovering it I've heard myself saying the word joy a lot more it's really funny I've done another (laughs) I did another interview with somebody uh, a friend of mine and she literally mentioned joy so many times that she was like oh my god I keep mentioning joy I was like it's sort of it's 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 like you can kind of yeah it's contagious the word joy it makes you feel you know saying something and then you do start to look for it and seek it in places you might not have ordinarily but your awareness needs to be kind of almost brought to it because it seems like is joy sort of twee or is joy what is it like what is that feeling I suppose it's very personal well it's it's a lovely journey to get you there and also Laura my one of my best friends you um kindly did her some dungarees and her mum and they wear them all the time. Oh, oh yeah. what a, that's I amazing. I, I still feel so thrilled when I hear about people saying, oh, I've got your dungarees. Or, well, let me tell you, I've still got some dungarees and they're in storage. So I might have to start doing it again because I need, probably need the space. But like, uh, yeah, I just had to sort of stop because it got almost out. I couldn't, you know, I, once you start losing the joyful feeling of making it and it became almost too sort of, uh, you know, it was just, I couldn't keep up. I, I sort of thought, I think I need a break from this. Re- revisit it another time. But I'm so pleased that your friend has. Well, let us know when you're at it again. Cause I'm a bit of a dungaree queen. Oh, good. I, I love them. So I'm, I'm, I'm on board. Oh, I'm so pleased. <laughs> There's a lovely quote in your book, Laura, about um, a quote to your daughters saying, thank you for coming into this world the way you did and making a mother of me. I love it. And so we wanted to talk to you a little bit about motherhood and what you've learned along that journey. Well, my goodness. Um, It's weird because when you hear that back, I remember really feeling, you know, you feel like the dedication for your book needs to be you know, I really thought about it. It was the last thing I did because I was like, you know, I need to be meaningful. I want my, my, this daughter, this book is for them. Like, you know, and it's, you know, it's because of them. And, um, 
my journey with motherhood is really, really, it's amazing. Someone said to me the other day, like, do I never like lose my cool or whatever? Because you seem like when you're even writing well, like I wrote, I, I think I'd done a post about uh, falling down a hill, like on a walk and like really laughing about it. And um, that actually, that post really sums up what motherhood is because I'm constantly tripping up. I'm constantly making a mess of things. I'm like often making mistakes or looking at like, oh my God. But um, things like kind of trying to, trying to sort of, I suppose it's connected me with my own inner child in a way, not mm-hmm. to sound too sort of like, you know, inner childy, but like it, I, it, sometimes I think like the idea that I fell down that hill, I was really laughing. Then my girls were laughing. It was like so nice. It was such a lovely thing. And it could have been, of course there are days where I fall down a hill, so to speak. And I scream, you know, there's no question, but I suppose what it has done is I definitely think it's balanced me. I can see that like I'm a much more grounded person in motherhood than I probably was before. Only in that you have to be, you have to be rooted to some degree in order to be there for your children because they are so, you know, like it's fluctuates, things fluctuate all the time. And I do like, so to answer the question of the person on Instagram, do I ever get stressed? Yes, I do. I absolutely do. I'm constantly trying to look at advice on, in books, on podcasts, on, you know, things like that. I'm trying to always seek sort of solutions to areas I find challenging and difficult. But my husband and I have a very communicative relationship. We're always, we're often on the same page with everything as well, which really helps. And we support each other. And I really feel grateful to be in a partnership bringing up children because Mm -hmm. that for me is like, you know, I understand a lot of, a lot of mothers are not, and I, I can, un, I understand and I, well, I don't understand, but I could appreciate that that must be incredibly challenging. And I feel very grateful. Um, because when you're two people and you're looking, you can, you can balance it in most cases and you can kind of tap out almost yeah. go like take over, like I'm going crazy. <laughs> But like at the moment that it's completely up and down, like some days it's really, really like absolute pure joyful motherhood. And you just think everything's going so well. And this is amazing. And maybe it's the days where we don't do much, actually, you know, those days flow really well and it feels good. And then some days there, there are days where you just wake up and you think, I didn't take time for myself today. It's really affecting the way I am. It's affecting my family. And the thing I come come up against a lot is not quite knowing when to recognize within myself when to take a time out. So mm-hmm. I do push myself a little bit too far and that can have an impact on, you know, the family or the kids. And mm-hmm. it's something, it's a work in progress. You know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get better at that particular, particularly because it is something that you do suddenly realize, yeah, you've got so much responsibility. That's it. So, um, so yeah, it's been an amazing thing that the way that, I, I, I wrote that dedication and saying, you know, the way they came into the world was that I did, like I've mentioned, really struggle in the pregnancies. So when you're struggling in the pregnancy, you, you can't help but feel, well, this is what the birth's going to be like. You know, it's going to be all going to be a struggle. Then motherhood's going to be a struggle. It's going to be awful because um, anything like hyperemesis, for those that do know about it and have suffered from it, really, really gets into your mental state of mind it affects you very very it is it can cause depression it can it's so many different things and I did have pre pre prenatal prenatal depression to some degree because it it was just difficult and and I had a lot of fear and phobias 
But for me, the hypnobirthing was life-changing. And I ended up having these sort of births, which for me were, I feel like I really like to share my birth stories with people that want to hear them, not, not today necessarily, but when mothers are pregnant, I feel like it's good to hear positive, affirming birth stories because yeah. the way they came into the world was an empowering experience. And not only for me, but it just, it was like, yeah, the beginning of my journey into motherhood. Thank you. For, thank you to my children and to the circumstance that led them into the way they, the world, the way they did started me off feeling like a strong woman. And I, mm. I must say, first time in my life, I really felt, truly felt that. Gosh, that's so lovely. I just had goosebumps everywhere. Gosh. <laughs> I was just going to say, it's so lovely to hear like the positive side of it. Cause I think so often with motherhood, what you hear is I'm so tired. I have no time for myself. And, and I'm not saying that those things aren't present, but it's really refreshing to hear like the, yeah, the affirming and upbeat side of things as well. Mm. Yeah, I think that with regard to like, so sometimes I think about how you view it, how Instagram views, how how you choose to put yourself out there on Instagram. Now, I do. I hope that adding a bit of humour in and lightheartedness, and when I talk about crafts and creative projects, I do talk about the challenges. And also with within the book, I talk about the challenges. I talk about how it did not work out. The other time, every time I tried to make bath crayons, it didn't work out. There was like pulled curtain, pulled shower curtains down. I was slipping over. I was, you know, holding one baby, trying to stop another one from drawing on the wall, walls. It was it isn't all just like, you know, everything's great. And, mm. but I really hope if I can somehow tell people it's okay that those things happen too. So, you know, then, then it will make feel people, I think it gives people permission to try things so that they don't feel like they have to meet this sort of perfection. So, you know, I don't really go deep into, I just suppose I don't really go deep into like, oh, you know, I'm a real tired mum or whatever. Because, yeah, we know all mums are tired. It's not particularly helpful because that's not really really what people are coming to my exact my Instagram yeah. page for. But if it was relevant or if I felt like there was an activity that I wanted to post and it didn't quite go well, I would just try and be honest. Try and be honest with like, you know, this might not work. It was, we tried it, whatever. We'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> Try to, and so many people have said that, we, that the thing that I keep hearing about from the book, if people have contacted me, it's been to say that they were just too scared to do stuff before, but they now do try things. And even if things don't end up how I maybe even describe them, they've, their children have been occupied for like an hour doing something to do with the activity. Yeah. Completely different putting the moon sand in a bowl of flower water or doing something like man. And they've gone like, my kids just like been quiet for an hour. And I, and they're doing, they're putting like two activities together yeah. and it's a complete mess, but oh, we're, we're, I'm having a tea and I feel quite kind of happy. So that's the most important thing. It's like the process, yeah. the enjoyment of the process. And I think that's the plan. Not attaching to the, to the end goal and just seeing the whole thing as explorative. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Laura, let's talk a little bit about if our listeners don't have children that they can be creative with, the importance of creativity in adults. And there's another wonderful quote in your book. We're just, we're just going to read you your book, basically, um, <laughs> by, by Julia Cameron. <laughs> yeah. And it's, parenting is a great adventure. Awakening your child's sense of curiosity and wonder helps you reawaken your own. 
reawakening your own sense of curiosity and wonder helps you awaken your child's. And it's such a lovely sort of seesaw image that can be mirrored from, from child to adult. So how, how important do you think it is for this creativity to be explored as, as adults and awakening our inner child? Um, and how can we bring this out in ourselves if we don't have children to sort of do that through? Well, this is good because this is what I'm sort of exploring at the moment. Like I really, really feel it's important. I, I did a couple of adult workshops last year. I, I, like I, I did a sort of festival last year and I did a couple of adult workshops. And um, I also did a workshop with um, people in recovery with it from addictions. And quite a lot of the people afterwards, we did painted, like we did mandala-like um, images, sort of um, painted stones but using like a dot method and working out and it was very simple and I just said to them you know it's very difficult to if you're not like an art teacher I'm not an art teacher but I was just saying like look I'm facilitating a space here find a place where you can find like a a rock and some you know some paints next to somebody you know it doesn't matter because you're not really going to be talking just get find a space there was 40 people I'd never done it before it was like a, a year ago and um not only was everyone like basically silent, like doing like completely into it. Loads of people came up after and they were like, I haven't done. And a lot of those people were not parents, by the way. So this had nothing even to do with kids or whatever. A lot of people came up afterwards and said, I haven't actually done anything like that. Picked up a paintbrush, um, thought about doing something like that, which kind of incorporates nature with some sort of art uh, since I was at school or since I was a kid with my parents or whatever. And the general, um, the feedback I got was that it, the meditative state of doing this creative thing, in this case, the sort of, uh, rhythm of doing the pattern, the, uh, maybe some, maybe even just allowing themselves this space to do this thing that maybe didn't, they didn't know how it was going to turn out. It seemed a bit childish, like painting pebbles or whatever. (laughs) The feedback was really surprising. And people were just like, I think I'm, I'm now going to have to carry on just doing that. I'm going to have to find some art course or I'm going to, you know, like, thank you so much for, for showing me that it's okay to do something so simple, but like that I've really, really enjoyed it. And I then did it again, the same, when I did the workshops, the same, that, that sub last summer kind of based on that, I thought I want to do adult ones as well, because I do think it's important to give yourself the space to try things out. And I think in it, the simpler it is, it, it connect it opens the door a little bit easier so it it's also seems like I remember once having this idea of like you know why don't we just like, just do the kids stuff when as an adult because it's like if you make play-doh let me tell you if you're making play-doh as an adult there is no question that you will enjoy it like it literally is enjoyable put essential oils in make it a nice color use it as some sort of stressful whatever there's something about the simplicity of and simplicity of like that sort of kid craft or creative stuff that just unlocks something within certainly that's what I found within myself and that's why I wrote about it from the adult point of view as well things I enjoyed doing I think it's really important like um with my husband and I we try and do creative stuff together like we went on a date night a while ago before lockdown a long time before lockdown (laughs) and we went and made pottery and we went well we made like we both made a teacup. We made. Is this at Kana, by the way? Yes, it is. Yes. Exactly. Love Kana. And that has completely re 
um, positioned what the idea of a date night is. We always sort of thought, oh, it's going to be cinema or dinner or whatever. Now, like, well, unfortunately then it was lockdown. So date nights now have been at home, but I've been making him get into doing the crafts as well. And actually my mum just bought him a pottery kit for his birthday because we now just have unlocked that thing where it was like, we, we craft together, we enjoy it. It's just sort of like, he never ever thought that he would be a person who'd be into it. But really like another really great thing is like clay, working with clay. So if you're, if you're in a relationship and you think, what should we do tonight? Maybe instead of watching the TV, maybe, you know, I had a really great chat with Melissa Hemsley about this. We were like, like clay date nights, make something with clay. It's not like, you know, with no expectation of what it's going to be, but there's a relaxing element, there's creative element, and you can have a laugh and it's just a different way to connect. And Mm -hmm. I've always really enjoyed doing stuff like that with my friends as well, like terrarium workshops or, or stitch cross stitch or whatever. I mean, I would love to do that too. I, I haven't yet, but like, it's just that sort of thing where I think it really is a, it's something that, I think it's a type of self-care in a way to do creative stuff that it just, it's something that's, you know, not tech. It's not about technology. It's not about um, even socializing. It's not even about having to really talk to other people or feeling that sort of pressure of like, Oh, you know, I'm not going to know anyone when I go. So many people at craft workshops, if you go to them, will go on their own and they don't know anyone and they leave having either made a friend or they've made something that they feel pleased with because the process for them was, eye-opening so Mm. I sort of think like crafting for me it doesn't always need to be something where it's just ends up looking like this unbelievable thing that's so that's too much pressure for a lot of people but uh, again some of the feedback I've had from like regarding the play-doh is that the parents have been like I secretly really enjoyed it or I really quite liked making squishy soap I don't am I allowed to admit that yeah you're absolutely allowed to admit that because it's crazy, I, isn't it? When like, why do we, why do we stop these things? Like, when do we th- say to ourselves, right, now's the age that we can't do these things anymore? I think it's that we think, I think it's that we sort of probably get jobs and we've got no time and you think crafting needs to be like, well, I'm going to have to go to a craft shop. I'm going to have to go and get loads of stuff. I'm yeah. going to have the money to get that stuff. The stuff's so expensive. You know, the, the, the train of thought, if I was to think about trying to replicate something very advanced... I would think, well, I've got kids, so I would think, well, they're going to destroy it. There's no question. I'm going <laughs> to try it and they're going to destroy it. But if they, um, if it's about something for myself, I probably would feel, I feel too much pressure. Like that's going to be, it's not going to look like that or whatever. So I would say like start minimal, like open the door first, like get it going, stimulate the creativity with a really, really simple thing. And painted rocks is a really nice way of doing that. It doesn't have to be, you know, it can literally be like your name, you know, it doesn't have to be anything mad, but like patterns are good. Like even copying a pattern that you like or putting flowers on stones or whatever, um, just is something interesting because I do like to incorporate nature as well. I think there's something very grounding in that sort of connect both, you know, creativity and nature. That's something else that I'm very sort of passionate about. So I, yeah. And Julia Cameron's like the master. I mean, I read the artist's way a couple of years ago and started, you know, doing, I I still do now and again, the morning pages, not every day, but kind of getting every, it's an amazing thing. So I really recommend if you're somebody that likes reading and doesn't know where to start, something like The Artist's Way is an unbelievable um, manual, creative manual. 
And where do you think the balance lies? Like, obviously with crafts and stuff, you're very involved with playing with the children. Where do you think then it's good to kind of step back and let them do their own thing? Uh, well, I mostly let them step back and I, I mostly step back and let them do it because um, for a start, when you reach, when kids reach about two and a half, even three, they don't want for input. They've got a very sure set idea of how it's going to be. So there's a couple of ways of like, you can show them how to do something maybe once or suggest, or you've made an example of something like, and you could do something like this or whatever. And then they might, you'll, they'll never ever at that age really copy it, you know, between, I think it's just too young. So I sort of might have an idea. It's interesting because Play-Doh is actually, again, quite a good example of how I have to step back. It's so, it's, it can be so nerve wracking to see them loose with flour or salt or, or warm water, or whatever. So the way I've sort of managed that now is a, is a good example of, of what I can sort of good example of what I can sort of um, tell you about is that I I pre measure because I'm usually doing it with both of my children and they're two and three and a half. My three and a half year old wants to measure stuff herself, so we can do that when we're alone. It's not so easy with the two year old. So if they want to make play doh together. We might choose a theme using a book, like so on um, National um, B, International B Day. Um, we had a beautiful B book, and they and we. I said, "Do you want to make bees with Play-Doh? We can do colours or whatever, you know, like black and yellow, and we could do flowers." So we started with the point of it being about a book, and then. I made the, I set the tray out, a tray each with the ingredients pre-measured so that there's no waste really. And they can have a little bit of independence. And then my three and a half year old does it herself. She pours the dry ingredients in first. Then I allow them, but with my sort of monitoring to do the water and I'm sort of guiding my two-year-old. Then um, they do the mixing themselves. They, they squeeze the lemon in themselves and then they add the color in, or if it's dry color, that goes in with the flower. And then they're doing the mixing. Now, often, three and a half year olds Play-Doh will look picture-perfect Play-Doh. The two-year-olds will be too wet or it'll be too dry because she doesn't want all the water in or she doesn't. She wants more flour, whatever. But they're completely consumed with this sort of process of making. And because they've been doing the stirring themselves and they see this thing come together that comes in this colorful dough, I then usually get them to sort of take it out of the bowl, put it onto the table, play with it. And then I give them the tools to play with it. So they enjoy the making process. They understand that, you know, that's part of it as well. That can be part of the fun. Mm. And um, then with the play, I don't direct it. I give them the, I give them the stuff to play with, but they do it themselves. And I mean, you know, my daughter did sort of make a, she made like a reverse bee that was like, kind of yellow it was like a, a black bee with just really thin yellow stripes and like sort of rolled it out and it looked unbelievable I probably would have done like I don't know what I would have done I probably would have done individual stripes I would have been too like thoughtful about it you know and hers looked absolutely incredible and she just had so much fun and my and my two-year-old she just sort of was just having fun with them with the making and the you know yeah. So with something like Play-Doh, I give them the tools, I guide them with the making, and then they play with it themselves totally. And then we put it in a jar, put it away. And the next time they might have a completely different experience with it. You know, they might, I might give them different tools to play with, with the Play-Doh or cutters or theme or whatever. And um, so I think it's really important. Guidance is really good, but I think stepping back and allowing them to play and explore will, you'll be so 
surprised and also it gives them that sort of independence but you'll be so surprised at at what sort of amazing beautiful things can come out of that yeah it really makes you think doesn't it and sort of appreciate that so many things that we create with are at our fingertips and I think people spend so much money on buying toys Mm -hmm. for children and like you said Laura having natural things that you can go out and forage for that is all part of the the play and the experience in it. I, I nannied for quite a few years and one of my favorite days was going out and foraging for um, wild herbs that we could then bring back and make tea with. It was just like a little thing like on our, out on our walk. And nice. it's, it's always just the stuff that they can really smell, get into and feel is the most exciting, isn't it? Totally. You're right. The senses, um, stimulating the senses. And also, yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, you know, learning for you, you probably learned a lot as well. I don't know about you, like when you were going and looking for things, you would probably have to reference or looking on Google or in a book or whatever. And there's an amazing, um, like when we're out, like doing the same as you, we might go and pick, I don't know if we find something sort of, you know, obviously being quite careful when we're picking mm. things to a degree but like like you say about herbs and things like that and and smelling it rubbing it smelling it and then learning about what it is it's unbelievable and it's so amazing when they then reference it and then they see it again and they go oh look there's you know whatever I mean my my daughter said we found some lemon balm the other day and my mum my mum was actually with my daughter I had told her what it was previously and then my mum and my daughter were together and my mum came back and said she just told me that that was lemon balm. Like, how did she know that? I was like, well, because we, we sort of always smell things. You know, we always smell, we always rub. She knew it was lemon. So I just sort of like, well, she's not too young to know about lemon balm. It's like, it's, a, you know, it's just smelled to her from, yeah. from the age of one and a half. She could say lemon. So she could, and she knew what that smelled like. And it was sort of like amazing. And it's just about sort of learning. But I, I'm learning so much from them. And I'm learning so much now as well, where, where, we're, in an eight, where we're in a time where we're, not really going many places other than the walk. I mean, I know it's getting a bit more, it's expanding now what we're able to do, but we're still very much plugging into nature. And I'm, I'm trying to educate myself in in things that I don't have as much experience in. And I'm, I'm really enjoying it, but like enjoying that aspect of it. And, uh, but yeah, you're right. The senses, that's such a great way to learn for any of us, but certainly children absolutely love that. Yeah. So Laura, let's talk about your healthy habit. <laughs> Do you okay, remember right. what it was? I gave you, I, I said two things because I really couldn't choose. So like, well, let's see which one. Did you choose one of them or should I tell you both? Tell us both, go on. My number one healthy habit was actually to have a long, hot bath with a book. Mm. So that, that's healthy habit, number one. That at the moment, actually I've just, when I wrote the email, I, I was still reading it. Um, Candice Braithwaite's I Am Not Your Baby Mother I just finished it it's the shortest time I've ever taken to read a book but I basically didn't look at my phone I wasn't really on Instagram I wasn't putting my I I feel like I wasn't doing much other than reading I literally was just couldn't put it down so Mm. I spent maybe one and a half hours in the bath reading the other day and I was like just after before I messaged you that and was like um, oh my god I think this is like my absolute ultimate healthy habit I suppose because it's after the kids are in bed I don't really have any responsibility I'm not looking at my phone 
And I just love reading in the bath. And it's something that I'm really, really, really enjoying. I did drop the book in the bath <laughs> one occasion. <laughs> Right off, absolutely fine. But um, I, I would say that's, um, it's sort of a, it's a luxury, but it's also a really, it's something I really feel I need to do to unwind. I feel like the water is cleansing. I can get rid of the sort of the days. I feel like you sometimes submerge completely underwater so that you're like completely, you know, you can't hear any, you know, it's everything. And I feel like, you know, it's like being reborn incidentally um and uh the the addition of having a book for me gives it a focus where it's not just like I don't just get sort of hot and sweaty then frustrated Mm -hmm. I sort of like you know reading maybe light a candle I mean that that is the ultimate but that is I would say it was a healthy habit because I also (laughs) it's really important self-care to do things like that that are not about technology and things Mm. The other thing I think I would say, which it was really struggle to, to, cho- to choose any because they're both very important to me, but I realized that the bath is something that I would say is a bit more of a sort of a special thing. And like, a, like reading a book is like, you're, it, there's a bit more of a, a point to it or whatever, but um, walking in nature, that's like, that would be yeah. the other feeling like, for, and, and admittedly it's the first year I've really suffered from hay fever. So Fields, not so good, but um, forests and woods, absolute ultimate forest bathing experience. Yes. That would yes. Be I know I wasn't meant to give two, but there oh, we go. Give them out. I'm sure everyone listening will be like, yep, we can do that. Yes, please. Oh, yeah. I have to agree forest. with you on the forest walking. It's one of my favorite things to do is to be in a pine forest. Yeah. When it seems like the world just sort of goes quiet and still and it's oh magical. Yeah, that literally that that is literally it. That's my that's one of my other healthy habits. Well, love that. We just discovered a woods near our house, so we're very chuffed. So I was thinking about you the other day when I was there. I was like, Oh god, (laughs) absolutely. This is like I did someone once did say to me something like, you know, it was very hippie or culty that I like to kind of go to woods and be really absorbed in the trees. I was like, no, no. Have you ever done it? No. (laughs) You've got to do it. It's going to change your life. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Laura, we could, we, I mean, we, we still have so many questions we wanted to chat to you about. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. On this lovely, warm, sunny day. Thank you guys so much. Bye. Thank you. Bye, Laura. Oh, thank you so much, Laura. What a lovely, lovely woman she is. I really hope that you all got something great out of that. I know I did. It made me very reminiscent of being a child and I definitely want to get more creative again. Me too. I really feel the urge to go and make something, to paint something, to do something. So maybe I should plan a play date with my niece and nephews this week to take over the book and do something cool with them. Do it. Or you could just do it with Bassett. This is true. (laughs) If you want to find out more about Laura, then we're going to leave her details in the show notes. And we really recommend giving her a follow on Instagram, whether or not you have children, because she has so many wonderful ideas on there for helping you get creative. Now, if you want the recipe, then head over to our Instagram at Kitchen Club Podcast. This was actually our last episode of the season. I can't believe how quickly it's gone. We have absolutely loved sharing this season with you all. Thank you so much for listening. It wasn't the season we had planned as 
obviously everything had to be done online but we hope to be back in person for season three and yes thank you so much for tuning in we hope you have a really wonderful summer enjoying the sunshine and serena i can't wait to see you again as well you too babes we're gonna (laughs) miss you all see you after the summer for season three bye Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.